Listener Production. Do you want to have a crack, dear Elise, at doing a take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis? Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Oh, nailed it. Next time you just need to get that. <laughs> Keep true, that in mind. True. All right, hello, Gistners. Welcome back for a special episode of Just the Gist, our bi-weekly slash weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. And let's mention this right up top. This is a bit of a different episode for a couple of reasons. Uh, Rosie's not with me at the moment, but the gorgeous Elise, our new mother, while Miss Lindsay is gallivanting around Europe, is with us. Hello, Elise. Thank you. It's giving mother, uh, as they say. You are mothering, <laughs> dear you. mother. Thank yes. You. <laughs> um, look, Rosie and I have recorded in different locations many times over the last few years, but this is the first time that we're recording at different times. Mm. Um, Since we've been back from Africa, our schedules have been a little bit out of whack um, and it kind of feels like we've been back for a long time, but we've actually only been back for like... 10 days, I think. Um, And in that time, Rosie got COVID and then I spontaneously flew up to Cairns because I was invited to come up for a conference up here, which has been very sort of time consuming. Um, And so we needed to get this episode put together, but weren't able to record at the same time. So we're doing a bit of an experiment. Um, I'm going to record the beginning portion of the episode and then Rosie's going to take the lead for the second half and we'll each be joined by Miss Elise. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Uh, So Elise is going to help try to keep me on track, I guess, and um, ask plenty of questions along the way. Um, I know that she's a curious, curious little soul. Um, So yeah, I mentioned at the beginning as well, this is a special episode. Uh, It is brought to us by Paramount Plus, the home of my favourite TV obsession. Do you know what that is, Elise? Uh, Funny Time Videos? <laughs> <laughs> so close, oh, so close. Okay. It's Yellow Jackets. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is a great one. I do oh, love that one. Deeply obsessed with that show. Um, and you can find it on Paramount+. Plus. And now you can also find their newest offering on there, which is called The Family Stallone, which is a reality TV series that follows the lives, the hijinks, the shenanigans that Mr... Sylvester Stallone himself, Rocky Rambo, the Tulsa King, and his family get up to. Um, Have you seen any of it yet, Alex? I've watched all of the trailers and teasers and I am so excited to have just the gist of it told to me today. The women in this family look beautiful and I feel deeply insecure watching them. Uh, They sure do. They are very, very shiny. Mm. Um, Yeah, Uh, easy on the eye, easy Mm. on the eye. A lot of eye candy in there. I've only seen the first episode um, and I've got to tell you, I was very pleasantly surprised at how how funny Sylvester Stallone is. I didn't realise he had quite the sense of humour that he's been gifted with. And Al Pacino is in the first episode, I've heard. He is, yeah. It's funny because he rocks up and he has absolutely no idea what's going on. He's just sort of ambushed by the cameras and Sylvester's sort of like, just go with it, buddy. Just go with it. I feel like that's the only way to get him to appear on your TV show is to just not tell him it's happening. 
Probably, probably, mm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so the team at Paramount Plus came to us to see if we'd be interested in partnering with them to celebrate the release of this new series, The Family Stallone. And that gave us the idea of putting together a Just the Gist episode that serves the gist of how reality TV has evolved over the last few decades and specifically how TV families have become a thing in that time. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to kick us off by giving you Just the gist of the OG reality TV family. Um, And then I'll hand over to Rosie to walk us through the milestones, the major milestones in that evolution, right up to and including the family Stallone. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's do it. Strap on in. All right. So question, the first reality TV show, what was it? The Bible. The (laughs) Bible. 10 points for Gryffindor. (laughs) Well played, you. Uh, Yes, I suppose there have been TV adaptations of the Bible and maybe some would argue that that does fall into that category. But it's look, it's a contentious thing. Opinions differ. What was the first reality TV? I am inclined to agree with the TV historians who say that it was the 1992 Australian series Sylvania Waters that pioneered reality TV by merging documentary and soap opera for the first time and thereby creating this whole new genre that we know and love today um, and paving the way for then the Osbournes and the Hiltons and the Kardashians and the Vanderpumps and now, of course, the Stallones. Australia, you said? Australia. Sylvania Waters, Australia in South Sydney, down in the Shire. Yeah. Wow. That is where reality TV was born, my friend. Do you know much about this show at all? Uh, No, I thought it was the little kids' toys that kind of are like felt little puppety things. Sylvania families. Yes, yes. Oh, that's where your brain went. Yes, yeah. Wow, that's a blast from the past. Mm. uh, My sister had a few of them Mm. and I can't say I have thought about them (laughs) for the last few decades. You're welcome. Yeah, nor had I really thought about Sylvania Waters, the TV show, um, until this topic came up um, and it sort of sparked the idea of, oh, we should totally talk about that because it was kind of a fascinating turning point in history. Uh, So the TV show Sylvania Waters, it aired in 1992. Uh, You're probably too young to remember it, my dear. I was two years old, sorry. Ah, yes, it wouldn't have resonated all that deeply with you then, I guess. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And it only went for one season of just 12 30-minute episodes, but it was a phenomenon particularly in Australia and over in Britain. It was groundbreaking. It was super controversial. No one had ever seen anything like it and it was ratings gold. Everyone was talking about it and everyone had very strong opinions. Now, to us in 2023, it seems like a very simple, familiar concept for a show. It's just a docuseries that follows this family for five months and shows their everyday lives as well as some big events like a wedding and a birth and a couple of very important car races that happen (laughs) in that time frame. Um, And the reason that that concept feels so familiar to us today is because so many shows since 1992 have actively chosen to emulate Sylvania Waters and sort of tap into the success that it enjoyed. So when the show's producers made Sylvania Waters, they kind of also created a template for reality 
TV makers to follow into the future. Um, The show was commissioned by the BBC in partnership with the ABC. And the idea was to give Brits who were obsessed with neighbours and home and away Mm -hmm. a bit of a glimpse of real Aussies in their natural habitat. And to do that, they brought in a bloke called Paul Watson as executive producer. And he really was a critical ingredient in the recipe, the chemistry, the alchemy that made this show such a huge hit. Old mate Paul already had a bit of a rep for being a provocative, controversial documentarian. Uh, Over the years, he'd been accused of manufacturing some drama. Oh, when you said accused, I was like, oh, no. Uh Uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh, where are we going? Yeah, Yeah, no. No. As far as I'm aware, he wasn't me too at any point. Just storylines. Got it, got it, got it. Mm. Okay. The things that he was accused of were, yeah, more along the lines of just stirring up a bit of conflict, massaging storylines, just doing what he needed to do to make the viewing a bit more compelling. Massaging? You had to throw that in as well? I'm sorry. I'm derailing you. I guess I did. I guess I did. Yes. But you took me down that path, my dear. Yeah, you could kind of call him the um, godfather of reality TV production, I suppose. Wow. Um, And Paul helped select the family who starred in the series and his intentions were pretty obvious. He was out to confirm for a British audience that Aussies really are loud, vulgar, aggressive, pisshead yobbos, just as they had suspected for so very long. Oh, wow. And he found the perfect family to fit that brief. Was he... British? Or was he Australian? Ah, okay, okay, okay. He was a Brit, so he was already looking at us through a pretty um, less than generous lens, you might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And, yeah, he was out to show just how bad Australians really can be. Thanks, So let's talk about the family, the stars of the show. The main character is a woman named Nolene Baker, and she cannot be described without using the word matriarch. (laughs) She was in her late 40s at the time of filming and she's a very strong-willed, very quick-tempered, very brassy broad. Very loud, (laughs) feathered blonde hair, loves a bourbon and loves a Winfield Red. Are you doing Nolene's voice right now? I'm attempting it and if you think I sound a bit like Kath Day Knight, I will go ahead and say right now, Kath and Kim, which we all know and love, that is a direct satire of Sylvania Waters. No! So if you have seen Kath and Kim, and I know you have, you have essentially seen Sylvania Waters just sort of exaggerated um, and with less aggression. (laughs) (laughs) And no guest appearance from Kylie Minogue. In the flash forward. Okay, got it. No, (laughs) tragically, no. No, they didn't reach those levels of success. And then there's Nolene's de facto partner of 13 years, Laurie, and he's your typical petrol head, loves his cars, his boats, jet skis, motorbikes, all that. And together they owned a business that exploited non-union workers so successfully (laughs) that they were able to afford this million-dollar waterfront waterfront mansion in the newly developed suburb Sylvania Waters. So this is where the archetype of cashed up bogans sort of began. Right, Nolene right. and Laurie. 
And then uh, Nolene and Laurie's kids from their previous marriages also starred in the show along with their partners and their kids. Some of them also affluent, cashed up bogans. Some of them less affluent, less cashed up, but still bogans. <laughs> yep. Um, and none of them had a clue what they were in for. Nolene had signed them all up for this experience <laughs> um, and some of them were apprehensive, but all of them were still just really excited that they were going to get to be on the telly and they were going to get paid like $2,000 for it. What? And all they had to do was let a few cameramen follow them around in their homes for five months. They were only paid $2,000? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For what ended up being the biggest TV show in, like, the world oh, for that man. year. Yeah. That's, God, you'd be annoyed. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, and so under Paul Watson's instruction, guidance, direction, this camera crew was there in their homes capturing footage of this quote-unquote typical Aussie family, and they gathered up a whole lot of fly-on-the-wall-style documentary footage plus a lot of confessional interviews, uh, which was kind of an innovation at the time, a lot of um, very staged B-roll content as well that they'd be able to slot in when they needed it. Um, And those are all now things that we sort of take for granted in reality TV format. Um, But, yeah, that is because it's that template that Paul Watson created back then. Um, Yeah, and along the way, the crew befriended the family. They earned their confidence and then they were able to sometimes just nudge them in the direction of some conflict, create a bit of tension, stir some drama. So everything was always that little bit heightened. And then... They took all that footage and edited it into six hours of TV and the end result was the world's first soapumentary is what they started calling it at the time. wow, that's cool. Mm. I like Mm. that. Um, It was scheduled to air in July of 1992 and it got so much publicity before it even aired. It was marketed as this voyeuristic glimpse into your neighbours' homes. Like, ever wanted to know what goes on behind closed doors? We'll give you the chance to peek behind the curtains. You can be a fly on the wall, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the marketing material had this very sort of judgmental tone to it. Like, before the show even went to air, they were implying very heavily that this was a family of trashy bogans who drank way too much and fought all day every day and scandalously lived outside of wedlock. That was a big part of the marketing thing, that these people sort of lived this alternative lifestyle. Um, And then there were all (laughs) these news stories about the show as well that featured mostly just the family's loudest fights and their least flattering moments. So people had an opinion on the show and on its stars before it even went to air. And when the episodes did air... You just, you couldn't not watch because everyone was talking about it. Even the prime minister was commenting on it and condemning it. So it what? was, yeah, the show of the year because it was considered so scandalous at the time. And <laughs> the reason it was so scandalous, the general consensus was these people are dreadful and this display they've put on is absolutely um. appalling and we are embarrassed as Australians. We are cringing. These people do not represent us or any Australian family. And this has set back Australia's reputation on the world stage decades. Um, yeah, it was genuinely treated like a bit of a national crisis. Interesting. And each episode just sort of continued 
to add to that narrative, there are fights in every episode, lots of crude language, so much drinking and smoking and crass conversations about money and casual racism and homophobia and the audience just couldn't look away from what was mostly really bad behaviour that they were seeing on screen. And so then this family became the most famous people in the Commonwealth for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. But still everyone knew who they were. And if you worked in TV at the time, chances are you were thinking about how you could tap into that appetite to see this kind of drama play out on screen by creating a show of your own. And if you had an appetite to be famous yourself, you'd be thinking about how you might be able to get a show of your own that was like Sylvania Waters to launch you into the public consciousness. Right. So you can see some of the seeds that were planted, right, just because of the success of the show. Shortly after it went to air, that caused then even more drama with the family members. So they kept giving further interviews and updates. And of course, every TV show, every magazine, every newspaper wanted to speak to them for months, years. And of course, that dwindled off, but the popularity did stick around for quite a long time. Um, And there's heaps of documentation about the aftermath for all of them. And it's pretty inconsistent. Sometimes they say they had no regrets. Other times they said that they were manipulated and that they were lied to by production and that they wished that they'd never done this. At the end of the day, even though what they were saying kept changing, they certainly did keep trying to milk their 15 minutes of fame for as long as they could. Nolene (laughs) released a song. Stop! Yes, which is called No Regrets. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she is wearing in it this satin off-the-shoulder ball gown with matching gloves in this fetching shade of ocean blue. Um, She published a book called The (laughs) Sylvania Waters Diaries as well so that she could give her side of the story. Um, Yeah, and continued to accept all these different paid interviews and said very openly that they were willing to return for season two because now that they were famous, they couldn't just go back to being nobodies. Um, Even though, yeah, they kept talking about how badly they'd been treated and how awful the experience was, uh, they were still willing to, you know, keep their fame alive. Uh, Season two never happened. uh, But instead, Sylvania Ward is in inspired, spawned this whole new category of TV and provided the blueprint of how to do it right by soft scripting plot lines and, you know, getting involved in the stories. What do you mean by soft scripting? Guiding people towards conversations and um, outcomes of conversations that they think would work well for a storyline, feeding people information about stuff that other members of the family had said about them in their own confessionals to spark a bit of drama. Um, And, yeah, just doing whatever they needed to do to build a story arc for not just an episode but for the entire season. Got it. Um, And, yeah, most importantly, provoking conflict um, and (laughs) introducing alcohol to the equation wherever possible because they found that that helped to really loosen up lips and lower inhibitions. Yeah, Yeah. right, cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and the show proved that reality TV could be a fast path to becoming a global celebrity. I mean, when they first announced this show, most people's reactions was who in the world would ever agree to allow cameras into their homes? (gasps) But, of course, over the next 30 years, 
we've seen, it's been made very, very clear, a lot of people are very willing, very eager to allow cameras to capture their lives. And we're talking about thousands of everyday normies when we say that, but increasingly celebrities have been signing up to get their own reality TV series thanks to the success of the Osbournes, Paris Hilton, Jessica Simpson, the Kardashians, and yeah, now Sylvester Stallone and his brood are stepping down that path that was carved out by Nolene and Laurie. 31 years ago on the ABC. Oh, my God. And that, I guess, is where I'll hand over to our very own television connoisseur slash expert slash gistorian, Rosanna Waterland, to give us the gist of how celebrity soapumentaries uh, became a thing and how they've evolved over time and certainly got a lot more shiny than the original soapumentary was. Elise, I cannot believe that listening to Jacob's like, who would have thought that the show that kicked off a billion-dollar reality industry and, like, one of the most popular genres of TV in history started in a little bogan town just outside of Sydney. It's wild. <laughs> it's totally wild. wild. A little bogan swamp town, apparently. I thought it was a kid's TV show. Like You're a- thinking of um, Sylvania Family, you know, the little bunnies? That is exactly what I'm thinking of. I love My those. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> I follow, weirdly, a whole lot of Instagram accounts of just cute little setups. <laughs> I think I follow those as well. <laughs> oh God, I'm I'm juvenile. <laughs> I didn't just turn 37. Um, yeah, I mean, I knew about Sylvania Waters. I had seen like some clips of it on YouTube, and then I had seen um, the dad from it was on an episode of um, that show. You can't ask that, and just talking to reality stars, and he just talked about. It was really fascinating to hear him talk about like um, uh, what it was like to be just so hugely famous, the most famous family in Australia for about six-ish months and then to just go back to nothing. Wow. But he said even still to this day he'll be like in the supermarket and someone will be like, hey, Laurie, like, yeah, it still happens. Okay, that's very impressive because I I would have thought he'd be disappear into obscurity. Well, I mean, I guess for us it was before our time, but if it was part of your kind of zeitgeist cultural moment, you probably would still recognise him, I guess. Yeah, true. Like who had one big brother when I was in high school. Exactly. Like you would, you know, I remember the moment Guy Sebastian won the first Australian Idol. Like, come on. Yeah, big time. Huge. I was in Chatswood food court once and I saw a bunch of Idol contestants and I nearly like, I was like, oh my God, the most famous people I'd ever seen because when it's big, it's big. Angels brought you here. (laughs) Oh, hit those high notes, girl. Um, So, Sylvania Waters was 1992 and I'm going to take us on a little journey after that. So following that show, it was pretty well established throughout the 90s that viewers had a real appetite for fly-on-the-wall-style reality television. Uh, A show called The Real World was massively popular in the US during the 90s. It involved, like, a group of people, mostly 20-somethings, I think, because they thought they'd get up to the most, you know, crazy stuff, and they would uh, live in a house together together just their regular lives for several months as housemates. So the show moved to a different city every season. So the people in the house like actually lived in that city and had jobs in that city. So all they did was just move into this house and still live their lives and the cameras followed them. Like proto-Geordie Shaw. 
Yes. Jersey Shore. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And, like, to give you a, an idea of the tone of the show, it does show that they're kind of, it was planting the seeds for shows like Jersey Shore. The narration over the opening credits of The Real World was this. This is the true story of seven strangers picked to live in a house and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. (laughs) The real world. Whoa. I know. (laughs) But, like... Those producers definitely had the same idea as the ones Jacob mentioned who did Sylvania Waters in that it's all real, but they cast it really well and they also kind of make sure the context and the situations are being as massaged as much as possible. Like they're not forcing anyone to do anything. It's not fake, but producers are clever. And so they were on this show as well. Um, And then a production company in the Netherlands thought okay, why don't we take this one step further? The real world's cool, it's popular, but why are we following them in their own lives and leaving everything to chance when we could be controlling everything from when they sleep to when they eat to when they shower? So in 1999, the very first season in the world of a little show called Big Brother went to air We all know the concept a group of carefully cast strangers are put into a house together and must follow the rules of a mysterious voice called Big Brother. No matter how ridiculous, there is not a single place in the house where you aren't on camera, including the toilet, every single inch, every single moment, 24 hours a day is filmed. Um, And I think... I think most people know this, but I just, I put it here just out of interest in case some people don't. It's called Big Brother because it's taken from the book 1984, which is um, very famously about an imagined future in which we have no privacy, the government is watching us all the time, and the entity that watches all of us is called Big Brother. So it's actually a little sinister. Yeah, someone's takeaway from that was, I'm going to make a reality TV series based on this. So... Big Brother in the Netherlands was a monster hit in 1999 and TV producers all over the world realised that's smart, we want that. So this Netherlands company sells the concept to pretty much every other country on earth and Australia had its first version of Big Brother just the next year in the year 2000. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the US in 2001. So... It really is an example of how the kind of genre of the fly on the wall style of television can be pushed. Like you never have to wonder in Big Brother, oh, but like, is it real? Like what's happening when the cameras are off? Because on Big Brother, literally, the cameras are never off. So after Sylvania Waters, this is what we have. A few different kinds of formats of these reality shows were going around. But the main thing that is fascinating that was happening is that out of these shows came some massive celebrities. Regular people went in, some huge celebrities came out. And I think it's because it cannot be denied that there are some people, everybody thinks it's them, but it's not. Mm -mm. There are some people (laughs) who just have like that thing, like that charisma, that it factor. And if they just go on TV and be themselves, audiences will fall in love with them. Like famous examples of that here in Australia, um, probably the most famous is Chrissy Swan, who was on the first season of Big Brother. What? In the year 2000. Yeah, she was on the first season of Big Brother. Did you not know that? I did not know that. 
That is literally how she became famous. Oh, wow. But she's gone like on to do so much other stuff now and is like an Australian icon of radio and media and entertainment. Most people either don't know yeah. or forgot. My bad. That's where she started. <laughs> That's crazy. where she she went in and she was just so she didn't win, but she was so inherently likable, so charismatic. She just had something and off she went. That's what these kinds of shows can do. Right. From little things, big things, Chrissy Swan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, like ahead. if if you have a bit of charisma. It can grow into something here. A bit of charisma. 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 You're fired. damn it. Bring back Jacob (laughs) from whatever boat he's on. (laughs) And the same kind of pattern of becoming beloved just for being yourself was also occurring on the US shows. So the real world in the US churned out some massive celebrities because these people are on TV. It's usually a season will go for a few months and it's just them being, you know, relatable, funny, likable, whatever. People fall in love with them. They suddenly become celebrities. US Big Brother also. They were just turning completely unknown people into huge stars. And this is when one famous family, a family that was already famous, stepped in and completely turned the fly-on-the-wall genre on its head. So in 2002, almost a decade that would be after Sylvania Waters, after several seasons of The Real World in the US, and at the very moment Big Brother had kind of gripped the planet, the Osbournes premieres on TV. Oh. And it followed the same premise as Sylvania Waters, really, Viewers got to be a fly on the wall in the home of this family as cameras follow them through their everyday lives, except this family was the family of Ozzy Osbourne, lead singer of the legendary heavy metal band Black Sabbath. Uh, Most people know him because apparently he bit the head off a bat. Isn't that the story? Yeah, I've heard that story, yes. I've heard, though, that... Someone threw it on... This is what he says. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> Someone threw it on stage and he assumed... People, they sold bats, toy bats as merch, like, because, you know, of their whole gothic thing. It got thrown on stage and he assumed it was one of the merch bats. <laughs> and so he... And then he was like, what? <laughs> like, so, I mean... What a mistake. I mean, who knows? I don't know. But they're clearly... They're, people know this man. He lived in a gothic mansion with his wife, Sharon, and their two teenage kids, Kelly and Jack. Also, like, a lot of people don't know that they had another teenage daughter, Amy, but she refused to be in the show. She was like, absolutely not, don't want to do it. And so she's pretty much never in it. And if she is, like, in the background of a scene, like, skulking from her room to the kitchen or something, she's blurred. They had a whole other daughter who just went nut. Wow. So the release of the Osbournes was huge because up until this point, an incredibly important part of being a celebrity and celebrity culture was maintaining a level of mystery. Like there was a disconnect between the stars and the little people. You would read interviews with them, see them on red carpets and magazine magazine covers, see their work, but that's it. Like this wasn't a time when you knew what your favourite singer had for breakfast, you know what I mean? Because it just wasn't that kind of time. And they didn't want you to know because an important part of what it meant to be a legitimate celebrity was to have this mystique about your private life. Right. And like tabloid fodder and stuff like that. Exactly. Like, yeah, no one ever knows the truth because I don't tell them, like, just try and figure it out. But no, I'm, I'm 
A-list. I'm, you know, up here and you're down there. Was and Taylor Swift with all the um, Easter eggs everywhere. Yeah. Try and figure it out for yourself because I'll never tell. Yeah, I'll <laughs> never tell. It's kind of like that was a big part of being a legit celebrity. So on the Osbournes, the show... The fact that Ozzy was allowing audiences into his life in that way, it was really unheard of because it was like, why are you getting rid of the thing that makes you a legitimate celebrity? Why are you putting yourself in the same, like, group and standard as reality stars? Yeah, right. As the everyday people. Mm. Um, But they did it because just like we talked about a few weeks-ish ago now on our Just the Gist episode about Kris Jenner... Sharon Osborne, Ozzy's wife, was an incredibly astute businesswoman. She had actually been Ozzy's manager for decades. Oh, really? Yeah. And while his career, it wasn't winding down, but it certainly, like, Black Sabbath wasn't in the 70s, 80s heyday that it had been. And Sharon could clearly see the pattern that had formed in reality TV during the decade leading up to 2002. Like, people were appearing on these shows... And some of them, like the outstanding, charismatic, entertaining ones, were loved by audiences and they were turning that love into major fame and other opportunities. Sharon saw an opportunity there to not only generate some interest again in Aussie, but also in herself because, like I said, she had for years been a boss lady behind the scenes, but she kind of wanted her moment in the spotlight. Uh And she also thought it might provide some opportunities for her kids. Right. So Sharon knew that her family had that it factor that was required. And, I mean, I think if you haven't... Do you remember episodes of The Osbournes? Big time. I yeah. don't think I was allowed to watch many of them because my parents thought it was too rude. Mm-mm-mm. But I do remember at the time thinking it was wild. It was wild. I mean, Ozzy is unintentionally hilarious. He later admitted that he was stoned throughout the filming of the whole thing, <laughs> which you can tell because, yeah. like, that became quite, like, a meme before it was a meme. Was Ozzy, like, sort of barely coherent, never really knowing what's going on. And, like, Sharon's really warm and maternal and funny and Kelly and Jack are sort of really alternative and sarcastic and clever. They're all a bit left of centre. They're all a bit weird. Their house is really gothic and bizarre. And 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 she predicted they would shine on TV because of all of that and she was totally right. Like, she knew it. She called it. And a lot of industry people thought that they were crazy for ripping away the currency they had in keeping their mystery, but as soon as the Osbournes aired, it became a massive international hit because, A, people wanted to see the nitty-gritty real side of a famous family and they were being let behind the doors that are usually, like, totally closed. It fascinated people. But Sharon was also right about them all becoming beloved just because she knew we're relatable, funny, nice people who will be really entertaining to watch. She knew that too. So they became hugely famous, like possibly more famous than Ozzy was at the height of Black Sabbath. Like the Osbournes was huge when it was on. Like Kelly Osbourne like covered Papa Don't Preach and it was a number one international hit song. Oh my God, yes. Like, I forgot about that. Right? That was when I was in high school. Okay. It's like, I know. It's like memories. I know, weird nostalgia. And yes, and it like wasn't, Terrible. I can't remember any other song she did, though, so no. I don't know. 
I'm sure she had a whole album. That was probably the best. Well, <laughs> it was like I an era know. of like releasing singles that have like three techno remixes oh, on it yes. as well. Yeah, <laughs> but I just thought she was the coolest with her pink hair yes, and all. Yes. Oh, I just thought she was so cool. Even if you were one of the few who didn't like them, like your parents, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't deny that they were entertaining. It was just a very entertaining show. So the Osbournes had totally flipped the script on reality TV. The show proved that there was a new formula that was kind of unbeatable. You take the reality fly on the wall genre, but you add charismatic, likeable people who are a little bit fame-connected to the mix. Everyday people are fine, that's fine, and it had been working on shows like The Real World, Savannah Waters, whatever, but nothing beats the curiosity people have about stripping away the mystery of celebrity life. Big time. Um, So it kind of became this guaranteed formula for hit reality shows. And the next person to realise that the formula would work, Paris Hilton. So Paris Hilton gets her best friend, Nicole Ritchie, and they start in the show The Simple Life. I did watch that. I love The Simple Life. I still love The Simple (laughs) Life. That started in 2003, so that was a year after The Osbournes. They were a little bit famous. So Paris was, you know, from the Hilton Hotel family, heiress person. She had become known as like a socialite, was always paparazzi at clubs and stuff. Nicole was the daughter of Lionel Richie, but um, was mostly known at the time for just sort of going to clubs with Paris. Go off, Queen. Um, So they were both a little bit famous. And um, that, you know, was just enough for people to want to see behind the curtain of what they're really like. But they also both, and this is important, had enough charisma to be wildly entertaining. So the show followed them. If you don't know, please watch it. (laughs) But it was two Hollywood rich girls as they attempted to live and work with a very middle-class American family in like a small country town. Um, The premise is obviously really clever, but I don't think it would have worked and the show wouldn't have been such a huge hit if Paris and Nicole weren't incredibly likeable and funny and entertaining to watch, which... They were. They really were. Um, The Simple Life made them both massive stars and it proved that what happened with the Osbournes wasn't a fluke, that like a new kind of genre had emerged. Reality TV following the everyday lives of kind of famous people. But most of all, really relatable, entertaining famous people. And really pretty people. Always very attractive. Mm. Yeah, that is very important. You must be very, very attractive. I do remember watching The Simple Life and they were like mucking out a barn or something. And I was just like, one day I'll wear a skirt that small. Yeah. (laughs) I'll look that pretty. (laughs) Yeah, like. (laughs) One day my belt will be a skirt. (laughs) One day I'll have like a skirt hanging on my hips that doesn't have belly hanging (laughs) over it. Maybe that will be me one day. That will be my simple life. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, it was kind of official in that the cultural zeitgeist had shifted. Mystery was no longer the most valuable currency for celebrities. Being open and real was the new valuable currency in fame. And, of course, the next show on the list, easily the most well-known and absolutely the most successful keeping up with the Kardashians. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. You mentioned a few times about people being vulnerable and real. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll get to this. But is it a particular type of real that's not really real? What do you, like, what do you Um, think? This at the time felt real because it was a very new genre. And 
audiences weren't yet savvy to the fact that uh, a lot of this can be quite heavily produced. Yeah, right. So it was real in a way we had never seen. And I think some of the shows, depending on the talent in them, are more real than others. Some people are more willing to just be open than others. And I think that's why Keeping Up With The Kardashians worked in particular because they did really let a lot um, out to the world. Like they let the cameras in in a way. <laughs> I just saw you laugh. I mean emotionally. No, I know, I'm just like picturing I mean, like a emotionally. farm gate opening <laughs> and all the animals just running out. Oh, I say. thought you were picturing like Kim's. Oh, get- <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. Yeah, she let emotionally. that out. Emotionally. <laughs> um, but I mean, they they nailed the genre because they were willing to actually reveal like, you know, their divorces, their embarrassments, all of it. Um, and I think people are saying their new show, The Kardashians, isn't as popular because it's so heavily produced and edited now that you're no longer getting the real stuff that sort of pulled you in to loving them in the first place. I mean, who's to say? I'm sure there's uni courses on this. Do you think also there's like, because of social media now, we get a little bit of insight into those people's lives Mm. so that by the time the show comes out, Mm. you're then comparing the episodes to what people posted Six months ago. Well, I mean, yes, and the Kardashians have been brilliant at managing that perfectly. So they will drop little hints of things that are going on knowing that the show that is filming now is going to air in six months and that way in six months when the show airs, they say, remember six months ago when X happened? We're going to tell you what really went down. They're so smart. That's they think so that much far ahead. Work. That's amazing. Hey, man, the it's devil works hard. Chris Jenner works harder. So true. So true. So um, back in 2007, Chris had noticed the trend, just like Sharon had, that, you know, people were looking for semi-fame adjacent kind of personalities to be the ones on these fly-on-the-wall shows. Chris knew her family had just enough of that connection to fame that they could get a foot in the door, they could get a meeting with producers. She also knew that they were likeable and relatable enough to make a really entertaining show. And, um, yeah, they were. Hello, billion-dollar empire. Like, I think they did it better than anyone. She understood the formula and she nailed it. How many seasons of that show? I think it was 20. But that's not 20 years. I think there was a few, like... Oh, and then, but they're also like the side ones. Like, yeah, there was all the Kim side and so-and-so ones. go to, I don't know. I mean, it is very songs. weird, like watching the um, pilot of the Kardashians, like Kylie and um, Kendall are little kids. Mm. They're like under 10. It's so bizarre, like 10 ish. And they have whole storylines, which is so I know, weird to me. And now they're like grown up with babies and it's weird. No, no, no. I know. No. So Because we're both. 23, so I don't understand how that works. Oh, yeah, I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> according to the timeline how, of where my age yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, I um, just finished high school. I don't know what anyone's talking yeah, about. Yeah, what's the 90s? <laughs> I don't, what do you mean? Um, yeah, so, I mean, they've, they've been doing it a long time to the point where literally some of the kids grew up in front of the camera. All of the kids' kids have grown up in front of the camera. I mean, the first one of the Kardashian girls to have a kid, Courtney, um, had the kid on camera. The birth was filmed. Yeah. So they they committed. Wow. They com- talk about fly on the wall. Like we saw it. She re- and it was epic. She reached down and pulled it oh, out that's herself. Right. Talk about trust in your production team. Be like, you guys have that footage that's uncensored. Yeah. 
I trust you enough to not put it anywhere. Yeah, I wonder where it is in a vault somewhere. My anxiety could never. the other tape. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So not all attempts at these kinds of shows have succeeded, though. Um, There was one centred around two of the sisters who were involved in the bling ring robbery. Oh, yeah. So they had, like, robbed a whole bunch of famous people, which made them a little bit famous, and they were both really pretty. And after they did their, like, jail stint or whatever, they tried to have a a fly-on-the-wall reality show, but it didn't really take off. There was also um, a couple, I think, I think there was two, or maybe there was one, but Lindsay Lohan tried. Oh, yes. Yes, Didn't really work, although personally I loved it. Um, But I think it really does just come down to the people. Like you can have the right connection, you can have the fascinating, glamorous, fame-adjacent life that you would think audiences want to watch, but if you don't have the charisma, if you don't have the it factor, audiences will switch off. So in some of these shows, they do. Mm. It's like every contestant that goes on, you know, The Bachelor or whatever, people always ask me, why are people always so shocked when they get the villain in it? And I say, because everybody goes on those shows thinking, I have enough charisma that this is going to make me a worldwide star. Nobody thinks they don't have the it factor. Everybody deep down secretly thinks they have the it factor. So put yourself on those sorts of shows as well. It takes a level of ego, sure, to even go on them. And so, I mean, you know, everybody thinks they have it, but some people don't. The formula works, but only when all parts of the formula are right. So the next fly on the wall show to really nail... The entertaining formula, I think, is the family Stallone. Oh my god, I'm so excited! Brings for this. us to where we're at now. Give me Sly's family legend, Sylvester Stallone. We're talking Rocky. We're talking Rumble. We're talking Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, which I had totally forgotten about. Oh, that awesome was him? movie. Yes. Oh wow. I mean, he's Hollywood royalty. Uh, he and his wife Jennifer have three daughters in their 20s, all just so beautiful and glamorous, have grown up as Hollywood princesses and their names are, I love this so much, Sophia, Sistine and Scarlett. Stop it. It's like they're made for a show like this. Um, They've got the famous part of the formula that kind of viewers are curious about, but they also, I think, having watched um, the episodes that I've seen, they sent us a whole bunch of early ones to watch, they have the other part. Like this family is entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's really entertaining. Sly is in it a lot, actually. Oh, which really? I thought he wouldn't be. Same. Because there's been other shows like, uh, for example, like famously in The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Kelsey Grammer's wife was in it yes. in the first couple of seasons and he would just kind of, there'd be a few scenes of him going, have fun, darling, and then he'd walk <laughs> off. Like he, You could tell he did not want to be yeah. there. But it was in all the promos for it, I know, I of course. Yeah. But in this, Sly is in it. Yeah, wow. Like, it literally, within 10 minutes of the first episode, they're filming him having lunch with Al Pacino. Oh, man. Like, so... Aren't you getting Al Pacino on a reality TV I show? I know. <laughs> he's got access. And he's also just very sliced alone. Like, he is a movie star and he is, like, he is a... a a bodybuilder guy, you know, like it's all about like fitness and strength. And he just really leans into kind of the myth and the legend around who he is and kind of has fun with it. So he's really funny. I love it when people are self-aware about what their thing is and they 
they kind of lean into it and it's funny. He's really like that. Um, And then the girls actually and their mum, they're all really funny and they all have a really nice dynamic. I'm pretty sure they all live in this big house together. I mean, I haven't seen anybody else's house. Are they adults? Well, they're in their twenties, like early twenties, I think. Oh, I like twenties. Loaded. Why would and you ever have, move? Oh yeah, yeah. They probably have cabanas at the wazoo. Well, I mean, even rich, famous people have to worry about the cause he lives. True. So <laughs> that's why they're all living together. That's why they're all living together. <laughs> um, the recession's coming for the Stallones. I mean, they're just. They're just really funny and they're really cool and they have a really nice dynamic. In the first episode, one of them um, makes a big announcement at uh, Sylvester's birthday dinner that she's pregnant (gasps) and, like, he just, like, it's this whole, and then they're like, lol, jokes. Like, but it's just, they just have a really cool, nice relationship as a family. It's just a really funny show. Um, But you also start getting hints of the drama in the first episode. Like, there's one of them who's been dating a guy for quite a while um, and Sylvester just won't meet him because he's a weird, protective oh. dad, the kind who kind of, like, stands in his Rambo uniform on the front porch when they bring guys home. And and so there's all these kind of dramas already popping up. Like, it seems like from what I've seen, I've seen, like, the first four episodes, um, they do confessionals where they do reveal, like, they reveal things. They, oh. they seem willing to talk and um, I... I was annoyed that I didn't have any more screeners. Like, uh, so I'm in. You're a sly I'm confessional? I'm what you oh yeah, he does them. Yeah. They all do them. I know. Wild. I want an Al Pacino confessional. Yes. <laughs> he didn't seem to really he turned up to lunch and he's like, Why are we what oh. are the camera and Sly goes, Oh, we're just doing some home movies. <laughs> I don't even know if he knows he's in it. <laughs> I feel like he almost wouldn't. Do you remember that famous story about him doing the Vittoria commercial for coffee or whatever, and he never mentions the name of the brand? Yeah, because he forgets. He's he's Al Pacino. He doesn't have to know. I don't need to. So, um, yeah, it's it's a really good, funny show. I think it's going to be, you know, one of the new heavy hitters in reality, in the reality world. And if you're like me and you watch a lot of them, you know very quickly which is a good one and which is like an eh, this is a good one. This is going to be a really good one. So I never thought I'd mention these two things in the same sentence, but I suppose Sylvania Waters led us on a direct path to the family Stallone. All right, listeners, there you have it. Uh, There is the gist of how we got from Sylvania to Sylvester uh, in the span of just over three decades. Um, Hope you've enjoyed that. Um, Obviously, you can jump on in if you want more than the gist and... uh, indulge in all of those TV shows. Uh, Maybe you want to work your way backwards and start with The Family Stallone, which is on Paramount Plus right now. So head there if you want to check it out. Thanks, Elise. My bloody pleasure, Dal. Wonderful mothering. Have Oh, thank you. As soon as I said it went, no, that was a mistake, but as the only way I've introduced myself to Disney's now and I absolutely have to live with it for the rest of my life. Yeah, it stays. (laughs) It stays. It sticks. Shit. All right, see you next time.